Hey there, it's Sophia Amoruso, founder and CEO here at Girlboss, and this is a very special bonus episode of Girlboss Radio. I'm going to introduce you to our special guest in just a minute, but first I want to let you know how this episode came about. Last week, I got the chance to do a special live taping of Girlboss Radio at the Code Conference in Arizona. The Code Conference is one of the most prominent important technology conferences there is. I feel very lucky to join them on the stage. And this year they decided to add a little something extra to their programming called CodeCast. So the team at Recode lined up a day of live podcasts that included shows from the industry's best creators at places like Gimlet Media, WNYC, Luminary, plus the Vox Media Podcast Network. Actually, I got to go on stage after Scott Galloway and Kara Swisher, which if you don't know who they are, Google them. He's the Nostradamus of technology, and she started Recode, so kind of a big deal. If you want to hear more of the podcasts from Code or more shows from the Vox Media Podcast Network, just head to podcasts.voxmedia.com. Okay, now that we're caught up, here's our show for today. I'm so excited to introduce you to Bryn Putnam, the founder and CEO of an incredible new piece of fitness technology called The Mirror. I actually own a mirror, and it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a mirror. It mounts on your wall. It's really thin, but it broadcasts workout routines for you that you follow along from the comfort of your own home. And I get questions all the time whenever I post about it on Instagram with people wondering, what is this magical thing that looks like a mirror but helps you work out? Is this the future? And it is. Brynn got the idea for The Mirror after starting her own fitness studio and hearing from clients how much they loved being able to check out their form in a mirror. And people just like looking at themselves in general, let's admit it. So to get the ball rolling, she got real scrappy and built a prototype of The Mirror in her kitchen. Here's how Bryn described it in her interview. I sort of had this idea in my head of what the mirror would do and be, but I didn't actually know if the hardware would deliver the experience that I was imagining. So purchased a Raspberry Pi and a cheap tablet off of Amazon and a piece of one-way glass and uh, really assembled the first prototype uh, in my kitchen, this very crude device. But when I turned it on and saw just basic video playing on, on the tablet, I knew that the experience would work. Welcome to Girlboss Radio, the show for and about ambitious women exploring the wins, losses, and insights learned on the winding road to success. On today's show, Bren and I talk about her journey as an entrepreneur. She shares her insights on why it's important to get a new product just right, why investors are also customers, and why she thinks the mirror can become the third screen in our lives. Here's our conversation, which was taped live at CodeCast, the Code Conference. Hi. So first I want to say I'm a big fan of everything that Bryn has done because I don't think she got like the introduction that she really deserves. <laughs> Bryn founded something called Mirror, which I have in my home. It's a connected device. It's, it's essentially streaming the best trainers in the world because I've worked with really great personal trainers and you can learn everything from dance to yoga to strength training to cardio and I jump around on a yoga mat in a space that's this big in my house in what is actually an office and get a great workout because of you so 
Thank you. Thank you. And if you don't know anything about Girl Boss Radio, it's a podcast that I started back in 2015, and it's something that is really about redefining success in a world where we think work and money and being on the cover of a finance magazine may be success, but it's about a lot more than that. I'm really excited to share your story, so thanks for being here. So I want to talk about Mira, but first I want to talk about your beginnings, um, because you're a Harvard-educated ballerina who studied Russian literature, um, who's now the founder and CEO of this rocket ship that is Mirror. Um, so I want to know when you were at Harvard, when you, even in high school, were dancing for the New York City Ballet, did you have any idea you might be doing this at this stage in your career? No, not at all. I think I always thought that I would go to college and go back to dancing, which I did. But I think, you know, I reached a point after sort of being in the health and wellness space for my, my whole life where I had sort of a personal need or personal challenge, which was I graduated from college, I went back to dancing, and as I started to get older, I sort of started to think about retiring and how I would personally stay in shape and surveyed the surrounding options and didn't really like what I saw. And so I founded my first business, which was a fitness studio, really, because I personally wanted to figure out a better way to work out. So I don't think I set out to really start a business, but I, I set out to figure out my own needs. And so you've, this is your second time being a founder and CEO. And when you were building for your needs initially, you founded something called the Refine Method. Um, which was a boutique fitness studio that eventually had multiple locations. I want you to tell us about the MVP version of that because it's pretty inspiring for anybody who thinks they want to start a business, who thinks that you have to open a huge space and have it be absolutely perfect the first time you did it. Tell me about Refine and what it was and also what your first location was like. Yeah, I mean, I think necessity is usually the mother of invention and certainly was in my case. I knew I wanted to open a studio but had only about $15,000 of personal savings so I couldn't afford a traditional gym space. Uh, but what I could afford was a room in a Russian church with the catch being that every Saturday I had to give the room back to the church for Sunday services and then every Sunday we turned it into a gym again. So we couldn't put traditional equipment into the space. There was no room for bikes or treadmills and so I ended up uh, designing and building a wall-mounted cable tower that became sort of the centerpiece and differentiator of our experience, initially made out of sailing lines and pulleys and resistance bands, and then eventually a little more professionalized over the years. But I think in many ways, sort of the limitations of our space led to a lot of the things that made Refine Refine. And so Refine was a place where you were going every day to run your business and then you became pregnant and your needs changed. So I'd love to hear about how that inspired the next generation of what Refine became and ultimately how you got the idea for Mirror. Yeah, for many years running Refine, really the studio model worked for me. I enjoyed the variety, personalization, the community of the class experience, but as my business grew and as you said, I got pregnant and my, my physical needs changed, really the studio model wasn't a fit anymore. The idea of traveling across the city, trying to hit a class time, navigating wait lists, and then working out with a group of people whose needs were very different than my own was no longer a fit. And so I started to think about at-home fitness but had really always thought of working out at home as sacrificing quality for convenience. You were either putting a large treadmill or a bike into your New York apartment, or you were working out looking at a little screen with really passive kind of one-way content. 
And then just coincidentally, we put a bunch of regular mirrors into our studios. And our clients said that it was the best thing we had done, was give them that feedback of themselves working out, and that watching yourself in the mirror was a really inspiring portal for content. And I realized that I could sort of solve the footprint issue of traditional gym equipment and design um, the interaction of a studio class by using the mirror. So tell us exactly what the mirror is, because I gave a description of it. Physically, it's this this thick and this tall and is revolutionary, but how would you describe the mirror? Yeah, the mirror is a, a regular full-length mirror when off. Then when it's on, it streams live and on-demand workouts to you in your home. And the content is personalized in real time using a blend of uh, your heart rate data, information you provide us about your goals, preferences, any injuries. And then we actually customize what you're viewing in real time. So I want to talk about the prototype process, which was also the mother, you know, necessity is the mother of invention, total MVP. When you launched Mirror, it was like beautiful and perfect, but we all start somewhere. So what did you cobble together to figure out what the first Mirror could look like? And how did that lead you to a full-on prototype or whatever it was that, and I want to talk about raising capital that you brought into those pitches. Yeah, I, I sort of had this idea in my head of what the mirror would do and be, but I didn't actually know if the hardware would deliver the experience that I was imagining. So purchased a Raspberry Pi and a cheap tablet off of Amazon and a piece of one-way glass and uh, really assembled the first prototype uh, in my kitchen, this very crude device. But when I turned it on and saw just basic video playing on, on the tablet, I knew that the experience would work. And then from there, built a more polished prototype, uh, raised a seed round, and then hired our first engineer uh, in early 2017. So I'm curious, you know, you, so you launched the mirror, and I know it took a little, I mean, you've moved super duper fast, but it's important to get it in the hands of real users and test it and, and learn what was that process like from the Raspberry Pi and the Amazon tablet to something that felt more like a, a prototype that you could, could share with investors enough to say, okay, I'm gonna go build an actual piece of hardware. Yeah, I mean, I think many, you know, in the early days, uh, sort of the traditional advice is to build a functional prototype that's really ugly and then use that to raise your first capital and then kind of refine it over time. But I really felt like our differentiator and what was going to make the mirror an incredible business was a great content experience and a great brand, and those are really our strengths and our, and our expertise. So our first prototype and what we used to raise money was actually completely non-functional. It was an animated video displayed on a television, and we sort of built out a brand around that, just designed to really show investors what the mere experience would be like. And then from there, we hired engineers and actually built out the technology. So I think it's really important when you're building a business to sort of understand what you are and what you are not. And uh, we're really a media company that happens to own a unique hardware channel into the home. And we've prioritized and allocated resources accordingly. So you went into, I know Spark led your seed, you went into these pitches and that was a first for you. How did you develop your pitch, refine your pitch? What was it like in that room? Was it scary? Because I don't think, you know, so many of us, I mean, a few of us are lucky enough to raise money, but the rest of us may be listening to Girl Boss Radio. It's something that we want to do, but no, don't know how to get from our idea to presenting it in the language that an investor needs to hear it, because that's very specific and different from what you might tell your customers. I've actually also heard great advice that you should take your pitch out to the investors that are like your, your lowest, like, 
priority and like try it out on them and then take it once you've gotten feedback to the investors that you really want. Yeah, I mean, I think investors are fundamentally customers. So it's, you're not just pitching them, you need them to really buy like you would any customer. And it's a customer who has very specific checkpoints. So I think part of it was just sort of understanding what the checkpoints were for this particular customer, but also understanding what the strengths of our product were. And for us, seeing was really believing. The mirror is a product you've never seen before. It's an innovation product. And so our pitch was very centered around getting investors in front of the experience. And once that happened, it really did tend to sell itself. And one thing I've experienced talking to investors, and they're incredibly smart people, is that you can kind of understand the way they think by the questions that they ask. And I think all of us as entrepreneurs are asked some pretty asinine questions. And people either get it or they don't get it. You know, there are, there are certain questions that, of course, you have to explain. But once people get them, they get it. But then other ones dig deeper and reveal that they just, they're never going to get it no matter what your answer to that question is. What was the dumbest question you got in the fundraising process? I think the question that generally was sort of a signal to me that maybe we weren't with an investor that was perfectly aligned with our needs was sort of what happens when Apple, Amazon, Google, insert large tech company sort of builds your mirror, what will you do? And I think for us, we fundamentally believe that we are a content business, that our, the sort of enterprise value of our company lies in our ability to create incredible content experiences. And there are certainly numerous technology companies that could try to replicate our hardware or our software or sort of elements of the experience, but really understanding the customer and being able to create a content experience that the customer falls in love with is something that we're uniquely qualified to do. And the investors uh, that were a fit really understood that we had really deep domain expertise on that front. Hey everyone, we'll get back to my conversation with Bryn in just a moment, but I want to make sure that you're up to date on what's going on here at Girl Boss. We are less than one week away from the biggest Girl Boss rally yet. It's all happening the last weekend of June, June 29th and 30th at the beautiful UCLA campus. Think of it as like bringing Girl Boss University to life for real, but it's better than school. We have some amazing women lined up to speak this year, like the OG influencer Paris Hilton, comedian Whitney Cummings, poet Rupi Carr, co-founder of Refinery29, Piera Gilardi, TV host Marie Menounos, and so many more. We're going to have a ton, I think actually over 10 workshops on how to scale your side hustle, manage your money, and build a brand that really sticks. We'll have a job fair, and there's going to be plenty of networking opportunities with other motivated and ambitious women. We'll have an all-woman-run business shopping bazaar and a zen den for you to chill out and discover new techniques to relax. To find out more and register for the Girl Boss Rally, just go to girlbossrally.com. Hope to see you there. And now back to my conversation with Bren. And so you've talked about Mirror being the third screen in our homes, and I'm curious, like, so you have, right now, you're focused on fitness, but there's a lot more you can do with Mirror. So tell me about what you would ultimately love Mirror to be beyond just fitness. Yeah, we really believe that our mission as a business is to connect people to a better version of ourselves. 
And we imagine a world in which you have your phone for small informational content, you have your television for passive entertainment, and then you have your mirror for interactive experiences. So in the next year to three years, that will likely look at like fitness or wellness content. But as we expand, we imagine that the mirror will be a place where you shop for your next pair of eyeglasses or find your ideal shade of lipstick or maybe your next date. So really any experience where interaction, community, and privacy make sense is a place where the mirror will live. Um, and I think it's probably not unusual that maybe 10 years from now, you may find yourself in a place where the mirror becomes your secondary or even primary screen in your life as we move towards doing more things rather than watching things. So one thing we're building at Girl Boss is a community. And I feel like mirror in some ways is a community, even though we're by our, in, you know, behind our screens, behind the mirror, by ourselves. Do you consider mirror a community? Yeah, absolutely. Um, community is really at the heart of everything we do. Our community is built around the shared experience of um, these incredible workouts right now. But over time, we expect that you'll be able to connect to people that you know and people that you don't know through various experiences. So I want to talk about pricing, um, because a lot of us undervalue ourselves, undervalue our services, and this is a place where not a lot of people are doing what you're doing, but people do have gym memberships. They're used to a certain way of working out and spending a certain amount of money with a personal trainer or a gym membership. How did you go about pricing the mirror? Yeah, I mean, the mirror is complex technology, so there are certain limitations to the cost of the technology today that require us to be a premium product. But for us, we knew we were creating really a full uh, full fitness platform for the whole family, that it was going to be something that you were going to use with your partner as well as your children, maybe extended family. So we wanted to be able to provide an experience where you would see actual financial value if multiple people in your house were using it. So for our users, we average over two users per household. The experience is actually more affordable on a monthly basis than your average gym membership. So you've raised $38 million. You have a team that's about to, from what I understand, possibly double this year. And this is your second time as a founder, but that's a lot of people and you guys are growing really, really fast. And a lot of us have this sense of imposter syndrome. Who am I to be doing this? Who am I to lead these people that hopefully you've hired and are smarter than you, right? When you wake up every day, are you afraid? Do you experience that? And how do you, what do you tell yourself to stand in front of a growing company or have a conversation like this that like, I am qualified and I belong here? Yeah, I think certainly you wake up every day and you're afraid that everything will fail around you. But I think when you're, when you're really focused on sort of that North Star of what you're building and the kind of transformational power of your product, you sort of figure it out. You figure it out by learning new things or by hiring people who know the things that you don't know. So to me, I think if I was not scared every day, it would probably mean that I wasn't building something that exciting. So I'm curious, um, so you've raised $38 million. What is that going to fund? Like what's next? Is it about you know, building inventory? Is it about marketing? Like what is it that you have done and are planning to do with the capital that you've raised? 
We have a few sort of exciting initiatives for the remainder of 2019. We're launching one-on-one -on -one personal training. So you'll be able to hire a personal trainer on demand for as low as $40 per session. So building out a network of personal trainers across the country to complement our class offerings. And we're also unrolling um, content partnerships. So we just did an exclusive partnership with Tracy Anderson, who's a fitness pioneer in the cardio dance space, and rolling out sort of similar content partnerships across health and wellness this year. And one thing I found, and I already said this, is that the quality of the instructors is amazing. Like, it would be hard to, you know, I would have to blow through like a dozen personal trainers to find one that is the quality of like every trainer on Mirror, and you've done such a great job of curating them. How did you get them on board early on? Because the trainers that you have, a lot of them have been there since the very beginning. How did you convince them to join as trainers probably on a, you know, in a little studio, uh, streaming on a mirror that maybe not, not a lot of people had had in their hands yet. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the sort of frustrating things of being a fitness professional is that your ability to scale yourself is very limited. You know, you can teach maybe five or six hours in a given day and you're limited by how many bodies you can fit into your gym at that time. And so you have these incredible professionals who really are capped in terms of the impact they can have and uh, frankly, the income they can make. So for Mir, we're able to really help people scale their business and scale their impact. And so I think trainers have been incredibly excited to join the platform and um, really expand their reach. So I want to talk about marketing, because you've done such an incredible job marketing, and ultimately the best marketing is a great product. So I know that's working for you. But your product is in the home of Alicia Keys, Reese Witherspoon, Ellen DeGeneres, and so many others who are raving about the mirror. How did you get the product into their homes, and what else have you done to you know, build you know, mindshare and groundswell around the mirror? Yeah, I think what's been um, incredibly fascinating for us actually has been that uh, celebrities have been sort of one of the first groups to show really the network effects of the product. We're fortunate to uh, get the product to a few sort of prominent folks, and then it actually just sort of spread itself throughout the community. So one celebrity passed it to another, or to their agent, or their makeup artist, or their stylist. And it's really exciting because it sort of demonstrates that once you sort of have the product, it's something that you want to share with your, your friends and family, and that's fundamentally how we will grow over time. I can't tell you how many, when I post on my Insta stories that I like just use the mirror and I try to like look good from the side after my workout, I get so many DMs of people being like, what is this magical thing? Is this the future? And it's just like, it's so, it, it really does market itself because you do want to take a picture of it. It's, um, it's also in some ways, I think for some people, like a cultural calling card saying like, I have this device in my house. Most people, it's cheaper than a treadmill. It's cheaper than a lot of you know, equipment that you could have in your house. And it's something that is very impressive to, to your friends. So were there any early missteps with Mir? So like we all fail, right? But from the outside, like you're a star, you're building something, you're on a rocket ship. This is gonna be huge. What in the early days, I mean, early days being maybe a couple years ago, but what kind of setbacks have you experienced or small failures that you've learned from? 
Yeah, I mean, originally our product was supposed to launch in the spring of 2018. We had done uh, early press interviews. We had sort of set the date with our investors, and we really sat down as a team to do our one of our final product demonstrations. And the product just wasn't wasn't ready. You know, it was it was good but not great, and we really had sort of the difficult decision um, as a team of deciding whether or not it was more important for us to sort of hit our timelines and hit the expectations of those around us or to delay our launch until we could get from 99% to 100. Um, and I think for us as a culture, we, we really believe that the difference between good and great is important, that the 1% the from 99 to 100 does matter, and, and better is better. And so we made the difficult decision to delay our launch, but I think fundamentally was the, was the right call. Was there any fallout from that? I mean, that's a really big, scary decision to make. Oh my God, we're going to have to tell the press. They've already written things. In, and in anticipation, everything is scarier than actually doing it or making those decisions. Did you experience like any controversy over it, or did people just roll with it? Yeah, I think we're, we're really unfortunate to have investors who believe in our vision and kind of the, the scale of our opportunity. And so uh, most people were very supportive of the fact that this was you know, a difficult decision, but the right one. So there's one question I ask because I know we're out of time. Everyone who comes on Girl Boss Radio, and is it, it is about this concept of success, which you are successful in what you're doing, but you're also a mom and a wife, and you have other interests. What does success mean to you today, both either with Mir or with any any small thing in your in your life? Yeah, I think to me, success is doing what you love, what you're good at, having impact on the world around you, and uh, fundamentally doing something that you can get paid for. <laughs> uh, so it's uniting really passion, mission, and profession together in a way that is really uniquely fulfilling. Cool, Bren, thank you so much for, for joining me. me on Girl Boss Radio. Thanks, everyone. And that's our show for today. Thank you so much for listening to Girl Boss Radio. Thanks again to Recode and the Vox Media team for inviting us to this year's Code Conference. And a special thanks to Eric Johnson, who helped us produce this episode. To hear other podcasts taped at Code or more shows from the Vox Media Podcast Network, head to podcasts.voxmedia.com. And as always, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We want to reach as many people as possible. The more reviews we have, the easier it is for new listeners to discover us. That's it for now. Talk soon.